Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have a super awesome guest. Before we get to that, I just want to have everybody know that we had our first ever award show last night, giving out little accolades to the community I hear, and and I just want you to be sure to check out our page for all the highlights that are going to be coming out in the next few uh, days here. Some great photos from some great people, and if you came out, thank you so much for coming out, and if you didn't, well, we'll see you next year. Today I have on Mr. Mighty Joe Castro. Uh, Joe Castro is a guy from Philadelphia, PA, a Maripolitan rockabilly outfit. Mighty Joe Castro and a Grava Man is the latest musical project from accomplished collage artist and musician Mighty Joe Castro, influenced by 50s rock and roll and infused with postmodern Easter eggs cribbed from old episodes of MTV's 120 Minutes, Mighty Joe Castro takes a modern, lyric-driven approach to songwriting, while the Graviman layer on a Jesus and Mary chain cover link ray guitar atmosphere, booming doghouse bass, and swinging beats. The quartet lurks at a crossroads where Sun Records and Creation Records meet, according to Joe Castro. Our goal is to play rock and roll in the style of the pioneers, but update it lyrically and sonically. Take what we've learned everything great that's come after and go apply it to that original sound what if buddy holly had access to a stack of effect pedals and some nick cave and the bad seed records that's the ethos of the band currently working on a new full-length record the band released their single embers in the ash in 2023 it's the first to follow up their 2020 debut full-length album come on angels both were recorded at minor street recordings and produced by brian McTeer. Previously, they released their debut EP, Wake Up, You're Rockin' in 2018. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. I'm doing great, man. So tell me, where did all, I mean, this is this is a, a string of projects. This is like the latest in your string of projects. Where yeah. did this all start for you? Where did music start? Uh, playing music or just enjoying music or either or? Either or. Um, I, I always just was into music growing up um just hearing it on the radio and stuff and listening to my parents records uh both my parents were first generation like rock and rollers and um i was born in new york and you know my dad went to the old alan freed shows at the brooklyn paramount and stuff and would tell stories of seeing you know chuck berry and buddy holly and um richie valens and things like that at those shows my mom was a huge elvis fan um as well so just being a kid and seeing those records around like i just sort of gravitated to the the imagery on the album covers and just mm. um the music I used to have one of those like fisher price used to make this record player that i got and it was like fisher price <laughs> it was plastic but it would play real records right that's cool it had a little disc in the center you could pull up for playing 45s had a built-in speaker and it would close up like a suitcase and i got that for christmas one year and i would just go to yard sales and buy like old rock and roll uh you know records at like you know five or six years old and just play them at home and stuff and i just got got hooked and um so that was like my sort of first uh exposure to music was just stuff like that just whatever you hear on the radio and stuff like that and so what did you do from there did you like oh i just want to play it um no like there wasn't anyone in my house or immediate vicinity who played like an instrument like there weren't like guitars or a piano in the corner or anything like that I always wanted to, and I, I remember one year I bought a acoustic guitar at a yard sale. I didn't know how to tune it or play it or anything. It just sort of sat there. I just couldn't even figure out. You know, this is like pre-YouTube, pre-anything like that. So um, it wasn't until like when I got into high school, um, 
I learned how to play the guitar when I was like kind of late, uh, like 18 or something like that. Like at that point I was really into punk rock and I found the Ramones. I was really into a lot of like eighties new wave stuff, but even playing music just seemed like something that, you know, mere mortals didn't do. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like you look at it and be like, I don't understand how they're doing this. I wish I could. And after a while, a couple of friends learned how to play guitar and I would sort of look at them and be like, well, can you show me a couple of chords? And then I just taught myself from there. Like I used to get, uh, you know, guitar magazines back in the day, you'd get them. And in the back, they'd have this tablature, which would really easy way to learn how to play. You know, it'd show like each of the six strings and it'd be a corresponding number for which fret you were supposed to put your finger on to sort of play. So you would could easily by ear figure out these songs and learn how to play them through this tablature. But but back then at that time, this is 1991, 1992. I mean, all the stuff in the magazines, all heavy metal music, which wasn't really what I wanted to learn how to play, but it was just sort of a good place to start. So I learned like by playing all these old uh, heavy metal songs and stuff. That's awesome. So when did you first like get, get uh, comfortable enough to say, okay, I want to do a band? Yeah, it was like pretty soon. Like I learned the guitar and that was, I was primarily a guitar player. I didn't start singing for a long time, but um, yeah, I was, I wanted to be a guitar player in a band. And uh, even like once I started playing, I started jamming with friends and then it was probably about, it was maybe like a year, year and a half till we played like our first show. Um, but yeah, the first band I put together, the first show we ever played at, it was on my, it was on my 20th birthday and it was at a party, a graduation party for my ex-girlfriend at her new boyfriend's house. <laughs> and that was the first show I ever played, <laughs> which is like about 30 years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago. That must have been an interesting show. Or just... Yeah, it was crazy. It was just sort of like came up, but I was so hungry to like do a show and play anywhere that it was like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And I'm still friends there now to this day. And it's all, it's all cool. But it was just one of those things where I think even at the time I knew I was like, well, this is a funny story. Like, yeah, gets, right. Yeah. Who gets put in one of these situations, you know? So I don't know. I like those. I'm always attracted to those kind of things. I, I thought it was cool. So uh, did, did that then band turn into a project and keep going? Yeah. It turned into a band that was eventually called OPF, which was short for the obese pharaohs of funk. And then later we changed the name to Nero. We were based out of Newark, Delaware. We didn't really play funk music and we weren't like big people or anything. It was just sort of a name that we just thought was funny and we kind of stick, but we did, it was a mix of like styles. There was some 50 stuff in there, but it was a lot of like punk rock, new wave, you know, stuff like the Smiths uh, were heavy influence to black Sabbath. It was like, Actually, we just released a collection of um we put out like an album and uh, three or four vinyl singles, and I just we just put that out on streaming uh recently as a collection called Still Sanguine. The band is called Nero OPF. Um but yeah, that was like the first band I was in there till from like ninety-three till nineteen ninety-seven. Uh but you know, I grew up like skateboarding and stuff in the eighties, and I really got into that whole idea of the DIY. And, um, you know, so we were making zines. You were like friends of ours were putting out their own records and opening recording studios, just figure out a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of all stemmed out of that sort of, you know, community of being a part of that and just being like, if you want to do it, like figure out a way to do it and make it happen. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned you were born in New York and now you're in New York, Newark, Delaware. Yeah. 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 I was born in New York and I would live there on Long Island till I was till like third grade, I think. And then we moved down. My dad, job got transferred so gotcha. i moved down to delaware and then i i grew up down there newark delaware had a great music scene for for a long time there were a lot of bands coming out of there 
um you know uh so it was like just a real fertile you'd go to these local shows and there would be packed with hundreds of kids and just sort of the feeling of being you know in, in these places or even these like crowded sweaty basements with these other kids like the communal sort of feeling of experience music of these loud volumes these bands these people that you sort of know or want to know or just be like was just is really um powerful i mean i think for for I hope, I'm pretty sure it still goes on nowadays, but like basement shows and stuff like that and having your first experience of music being in a small venue where you can really feel the energy from the band rather than like a stadium, I think is a, is a blessing, you know? So where did that band go from there? You, I mean, you had several projects since then. Where did that take you? Yeah. After that band, like I said, we did like one full length album and then a bunch of singles and that uh, broke up. I did another band for a short time called Swing Line. Uh, that we did an EP out out of, and that kind of fizzled out. And I was almost ready to stop. And then uh, a friend of mine, a guy I knew from the from the old scene, we'd both moved to Philadelphia, and uh, his name was Christopher Tucker. And we put a band together uh, called The Situation. And um, he was the singer songwriter. I played guitar. And we brought uh, two of my friends from school, my friend Larry, my friend John Paul, and we formed that band. And that band was around for about five or six years. We put out two records um on a label from ohio called elephant stone and uh you know we did some touring went out played like california played up and down like the east coast um you know had a had a great run for a long time played with a bunch of different bands i was uh, pretty sure i've heard of the situation you maybe yeah i mean we've uh we we opened up for like the strokes the libertines arthur lee and love not a surf hot out heat um got to do a bunch of different shows it was it was a good run yeah Awesome. Yeah. And um and then when that band's time was up, I was kind of burnt out on music for a while and I wasn't gonna do it anymore. I was just gonna concentrate solely on doing art stuff. But um but yeah, then that only lasted like a couple of years and I was pulled back in to, <laughs> to, to, to do a music again. Even like when I was just doing art, I would still end up like friends would ask me to do music videos for them. Or I was doing flyers, I was still like so involved. I think I was just burnt out for a few years just on the music industry and um mm everything that sort of goes along with that you want to get into that a little bit yeah um it was just sort of uh man i don't know how to put this like you know there's there's just so much talk and smoke being blown and like fake friendships and there's so corporate and and, yeah and then you're dealing with you know people with substance abuse problems and and partying and then people not having sort of the right not being in the same frame of mind as Maybe I was at the time and what I wanted to do and just have people just continually let you down or, or things. It was just, I just gotten burned out on it. We went hard for a good like five or six years, but, um, and the music industry was changing so much by that time. It was the record labels had less power and it was going more towards streaming and MP3s. And so there wasn't like any sort of hope of getting like this big record deal or advance that would sort of cover your basic living expenses. And it was just, uh, just a lot of things going on. You know, I, I was, 31 32 i think when that band started i was engaged to one person but when the band broke up i was married to someone else you know it was just like long like five years like a lot of living in there uh but yeah so what got you back into the current project that you're doing now well like i like i said in those other bands i was just a guitar player i never considered myself a singer and i didn't really think about it and then um we were getting ready my wife and i were getting ready to have our first child and uh so she bought me an acoustic guitar so i would just have something at the house to like 
play for the for the kid to like help help her go to sleep and so i just started learning like all these songs and and singing them like simple like ramon songs and stuff that like i could that that would be appropriate for playing for 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 the kid (laughs) and then i after a while i was like you know i just started enjoying the sound of my own voice i guess that sounds egotistical but well no no, that's great actually (laughs) like i just started thinking like you know i i could sing on tune like i'm getting better at this like let me just see if there's something here and then um so it kind of went and then i was like well let me just try writing a song and writing lyrics because writing lyrics were just always the uh to me the most intimidating thing and um i picked up the guitar and i wrote this one song in like less than an hour like start to finish it's actually on the gravelman album it's uh called why not just give in this time and i was like wow this is I wrote a song in like an hour. Like, this is great. Like it's finally happening. And then that was the last time I ever heard the song after that. It's just been like a, <laughs> like <laughs> right. a slog where you really got to get in there and work, you know? Cause like, I don't know. I always thought you always hear these things when um you're reading music magazines or books and you hear these stories of like people like Bob Dylan and Neil Young. And they're like, I wrote this song in 15 minutes. It's just poured out of me. And I picked the guitar and did all that. And I thought, well, oh, that doesn't happen to me. I can't, I can't do it. And it wasn't until years later I read stuff on like Nick Cave and like Leonard Cohen. And I heard that Leonard Cohen worked on the song Hallelujah on for like five years and wrote tons of verses and was scrapping as he worked and worked and worked till he got it to where he wanted it to be. And I thought, well, that I can relate to. Like, I'm not afraid of where I can put the time in, which is a matter of like just putting in time and really working on it. Then I then I was like, maybe I can't do that. So that was sort of the inspiration to to try to to go out and do it. And um and now it's great. I kind of regret not doing, not not singing and and being the front man earlier on. But I kind of, I kind of think like the time was just right, you know. Yeah, and like, and, and all that time previously, is, that's, that's working on your guitar skills because now you, have to, yeah, now you, now you have to play and sing. Yeah, and all those other people that I work with, I mean, they were all great lyricists and great songwriters. So I've learned so much from each from each of the front people and all the bands that I was in. I think if I had done it earlier, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have had the same experience. I, I probably would have just probably wouldn't have worked out. So it, you know, it all works out in the, it end. all works out in the wash. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you started writing uh, this, you started writing uh, new music. It was at that point where you're like, okay, the, my, here's a question. Where did the mighty Joe Castro moniker come from? You know, that came out like, funny enough because of um the internet i was gonna do i was gonna do a website at the time uh this is early like around 2001 uh joe was taken so i was like well i got to do something else you know because i want to use my name and so i just thought well i was always into like movies like you know mighty joe young which is about like mm-hmm. the ape and growing up in the 70s like it seems like monkeys and things are king kong planet of the apes so i just thought mighty joe young i'll change it to mighty joe castro and then the minute I did that, it just stuck, and so it just kind of kind of went from there. It's just one of those things. Nice. But, okay. Yeah, it's like a simple story. Nothing, nothing exciting. It was like one day I woke up and I was like, I'm big, I'm mighty, you know. No, it's just named after a monkey. That's all. <laughs> you know. That's great. So um, you started you started writing and singing singer songwriting. Uh, and how did you pull your band together to what it is now? Well, for a little while, I did a a, a record with a band. The first one I was singing called The Lift Up. And that was the two of the guys who was in the situation with me, my friend Larry Zappatrini and John Paul Travis. And um, we were just, it was a little more like a power trio, kind of garagey version of what the Gravelman became. And we did that for a little while. And then um, 
our bass player Larry got a job working for the Disney Corporation and moved to Florida. And so uh, I ended up moving away from where I was living outside of Philly and then came out here. I live in like Collegeville, Pennsylvania area now. Mm. And in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do something that was a little kind of rockabilly-ish with an upright bass and um, that kind of thing. I've wanted to do that for a long time. And I just thought, well, next spin I do, whatever it is, that's the way it's going to be. Like, you know, I don't want to waste any more time. So it wasn't until our first bass player, uh, a guy named Daniel Hoover, he found me online and he was just like, cause I was looking for a musician and he was as well. And he was like, I think we have sort of similar interests and we want to do something that's sort of rockabilly based, but that's not too formulaic, you know, cause a lot of the, you run a lot of rockabilly music where it's like, people are just sort of doing either a lot of covers or they're doing original songs that kind of sound like covers and they're singing about, you know, stuff that's like using lingo from the fifties. And it's almost sort of like, cosplay in a way you know like yeah yeah it's it's like it's like they're they're not making anything contemporary they're trying to right and i don't really want to like throw any shade on that or whatever it's not yeah, what i wanted yeah, wanted to do there. i just feel like i can't go up there and sing a song about working on cars because i don't know anything about working <laughs> on cars you know what i mean like i don't i'm not like a like a like a car guy so i was like well gosh i can't do that and i want to write songs about sock hops or you know i can't write songs about you know dating young girls i'm i'm in my 40s you know, you, know what I, you know what i mean i gotta like think of this different way and so i to me it's like i i looked at it as like we're gonna take like a 1957 like chevy and we're gonna put a, an electric engine in it and like a nice sound system you know what i mean take some old that style and uh update it you know because i love that old rock and roll music and it's still like sort of the base for a lot of what's going on in music these days absolutely and so um Let's just do that. Sort of breathe some. Try to find a way to breathe some new life into it, and make it exciting again. At least for us, you know. Yeah, no, it's always great to take an old old art form and re up it. Yeah, you know, because I feel like, in a lot of ways, like music, rock and roll. When it started, it was so much about like not offending, but sort of outdoing the the generation before, before you. Yes. So you had like punk came out, and that was really aggressive, and they were like, and then you had metal, and it was like who could play music the hardest and the fastest and then you had electronic music who could do it this way with everything got to so much extremes mm -hmm. and i felt like we sort of pushed everything as, as far as it could could go like you couldn't play music any faster you couldn't you know it's already sort of been everything's been done been done yeah so i thought well maybe now's the time like sort of you know pull back like, go back to the start and just sort of clear your own path and sort of you know like let's go let's go back to the fork in the road and just drive through the cornfield you know what i mean yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's always go back it's always nice to go back and uh i don't want to say recycle but like revitalize and and reuse the old art form and then just bring some new life into it yeah 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 because i think there's just there's something about that that rock and roll beat and that 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 music that still like lives on that people still like i still walk around and see people wearing like johnny cash shirts all the time and you know i was gonna say it and if you ever play you know the famous chuck berry intro or yeah. 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 you know no matter what what one of those songs that start like that everyone knows what, what it is yeah yeah and it's cool because as as our band has has played a bunch of shows we'll play with heavy metal bands you know punk bands country bands and they they all seem to dig what we're doing because they're like oh i love that style of music because it is like the root of so many different things you know so it's kind of cool so let's get into that a little bit we have a few of your songs here let's start with there are no secrets here tell me about that one uh that song is kind of like a um sort of song about uh 
darkness and depression, I guess. Um, it's kind of got like a moody driving at night vibe. Um, I don't know. People compared it to like David Lynch and a little bit of Raymond Chandler, um, which is, I don't know. We seem to get, I seem to get compared less to musicians and more to like, authors and directors but i kind of dig that so yeah that's kind of cool actually. yeah it's kind of random <laughs> like <laughs> people said that like oh your your music it reminds me of like sunset boulevard or these movies and billy you remind me of billy wilder and i'm like oh, okay it's cool because a lot of times people say stuff and i'm not even sure who they're talking about but then i'll go back and like do research on the on those people and then i'll be like oh, i love this I, why didn't i know about this before you know, yeah, yeah. uh because it was funny like with someone like david lynch i was never like a big david lynch fan until that this album came out and a lot of people kept comparing us to david lynch and i was like man i always heard about twin peaks i never watched it I never really got into david lynch and then i went like during the pandemic i went and did a deep dive on him and then i was like this all makes sense like david lynch loves early rock and roll meditating and coffee and that's like my three favorite things I'm like, this is, <laughs> makes total sense like we're on the same page like you know like oh my gosh why did i hear about this earlier but i just wasn't tuned in right so tell me about the songwriting process of this one this one um Man, you know, I wrote the music for it pretty quick and the lyrics were just, they just take a long time. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, it's not like that much of an exciting process, like playing the song all the time and just trying to like sort of figure out, you know, what, what the lyrics are going to be and just sort of, a lot of times I always say like with songwriting at the beginning, it's sort of like uh, intro conversation, like small talk where you're just sort of like, you write out some quick lyrics and it's like, you know, how are you doing? How's the weather today? What's going on? Kind of like, and then very surfacey. Yeah, very surface. And as you work on it, you start to get to know each other a little bit. And then it's like you get a little deeper. It's like a relationship with with a person, you know, after a while. And then maybe not until like halfway through the song, then you're sort of started starting to realize what it's about and how you want to sort of take it or where you want it to sort of sort of go. But um there is something mysterious about it that I don't totally under understand it. Sometimes I go back to some lyrics or some songs. I don't remember like how I how I did it. So I don't try, I try not, not to analyze it too much and just let the magic kind of happen as it does. Well, let's listen to this. This is There Are No Secrets Here by Mighty Joe Castro and the Gravelman. Suffocate that fear out of your mind 
driving all night Looking for you, baby I've been drinking all night I wish you were here your demons but you don't sound possessed well I don't believe you're not sincere and we know there are no secrets here granite in the greenery another season in the sun the angels rattle on And wilted blossoms exhale in despair And they prove there are no secrets here Hold your breath and you will find You can't suffocate that fear out of your mind Driving all night Looking for you, baby I've been drinking all night I wish you were here Been driving all night Looking for you, baby I've been drinking all night I wish you were here We had like recorded, there's like a lot of stuff going on in the background. One thing is we just, we put a microphone out the window at Minor Street and we were just recording like the, the nighttime sounds of 
Fishtown, Philadelphia, like just sort of like, so you hear kind of in the background, like some of like the trains going by and stuff like that, sort of like, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, we wanted to put some of that in there and then we, we added some effects to it and stuff. We had kind of bookends. The last song of the album kind of fades out with that kind of sound coming through, so it kind of filters through, you know. You know, you know what? Because, you know, I know so many of the rockabilly legends would have done stuff like that, would have taken the sounds of nature and just made it turn like Bob Dylan. You know, yeah. for a fact, he would have gone out to a forest with the recording set, just recorded that whole thing and just sang <laughs> over it. Yep. Yep. That's There's something cool to sort of put that kind of atmosphere. So when people, especially if listening to headphones or at home, you can hear these sort of sounds, kind of put you in a in a place, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and that was that was all your uh full length album yeah and so tell me about the recording process of that was that uh did you want to do an album the traditional way where it like tells a story or was it more of like a collection of songs it was kind of more of a collection of songs we did this album different than other albums i've done in the past and i really like this format we've kind of continued with it but now we go into the studio for two days and we sort of record just two songs in those two days start to finish so a lot of times when people make a record they'll go in and they're like okay we're gonna do 12 songs and we're gonna spend days just getting the drums right then we're going to record the drums and the guitar player's going to come in for three days and work on guitar sounds and the singer's going to come in and i i got tired of that sort of like working on everything at a at the same time it's like kind of hard to focus so this way we would just go in and we would just record two songs on one day and then kind of played most of it live then we mixed it the next day and it was great because you really could focus on just the the two songs and a lot of people were like, well, aren't you worried about the drum sound not matching up the next time you came in the studio? And it's like, nah, they'll all sound a little different, but it's just going to sound like us playing anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I was about to say, and then they're all these individual songs. So it's not going to. Really it's not like, like, I don't know. You listen to a greatest hits album and people aren't like, well, I don't know. The sound sounds different on this song, that song. Well, that's you know? kind of the point. That is kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we did it. We, and we were like, we were talking about during the break. We started in, um, December of 2019, we recorded the first two songs. This was one of them. And then we sort of went back on a couple weekends, every weekend, every few times a month, and we did two more songs. So we got all 10 done. And then we went in and did final mixes. And yeah, we walked out with the finished mix of the album. I think it was two, two or three days right before the everything got shut down, the pandemic. So it was like a crazy time to be recording because we'd, we'd go there. And at the beginning, we just sort of heard about the, you the know, whispers the, of whispers somebody on. on yeah. And then you know we'd come back a month later, and then everyone hear more, and all of a sudden you're starting to hear it's about in Italy people. now. Yeah, it's in yeah. And by the last time, last few days we were there, it was just like everyone was paranoid, wondering when things were going to get shut down and what was going to happen. But yeah, it's like we walked out of there with those masters, and then it was at that time it was just a big decision about whether we wait to put the album out for the pandemic to be over, or we just mm -hmm. release it. So and you ultimately decided to release it. Yeah, I kind of felt like, why wait? Like, people are going to be home. Like, we can't play is, shows to exactly. promote Exactly. Yeah, this is but, the perfect time to release music because everyone's at home anyway. What, what more are they going to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it was good or bad decision in the long run. I didn't miss playing shows. We did a, a couple live stream stuff, like me doing acoustic to promote it. and um, But it was cool. But it was, it, it was funny because there's something, like, we had to make some music videos for some of the songs. And uh, obviously we couldn't get together in a band and mm -hmm. play and we couldn't have someone come and film it. So I had to do a lot of that myself. So it was a opportunity to teach myself a lot more about filmmaking. So like I did the video for this one um, for No Secrets Here in my little studio at home. I filmed it with an iPhone and a couple lights, flashlights that were taped like mic stands. <laughs> and then I edited it with this old B-movie footage and it came out really cool. 
And the second video we did, I did all in After Effects. I never knew how to use After Effects, but I thought, well, like, figure it out. I, I got time in my hands now. I better learn how to figure it out. So, you know, there's something to be said for like just taking those lemons and turning them into, you know, lemonade or whatever, and just just using those those obstacles as a way to move forward. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, if anything we all had during COVID was time. Yeah. So why not use it to the you know? I'm so I'm so happy a lot of people had that time to like reset themselves. I miss it a little so, bit, to be honest. I mean, I, I, yeah, right. I feel bad for everyone that went through hard, oh, absolutely. hard times. And a lot of people I know went through a lot of rough times. But, you know, for me, it wasn't that. It's kind of nice of the downtime. I miss, miss things slowing down a little bit. Yeah, I, I, not that I want to bring it back. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wish we could then speed up so fast. Like, can we find like a happy medium where things are going a little bit not as fast? But right, still, right, like, right. But still good, you know? Right. But yeah. So um, what was that time like for you? You mentioned that like, you're learning all, all of this new stuff. Did, was that including writing new stuff or were you just chilling and learning how to make videos? At that yeah, point? that was pretty much it. Like I wasn't writing that much because the album was done, but I had to do the, I had to create the album cover art. So I was working on that. Like I said, I directed a few of the videos and just sort of figuring out like all that um, stuff, like promotional work. So it was like kind of flipped my brain to, to artist mode. And so why did you, you chose vinyl as well to do a vinyl yeah. thing. So why, why that? Check this out. Well, um, I mean, I love vinyl as a medium and I still collect records. I love going to, you know, record stores. And I know like you can't really sell CDs in record stores as much anymore, you know, but there still is like a huge market for vinyl. So I wanted to make sure that our album was available for vinyl instead of, instead of streaming. I just, I, I like it. There's like a little more of a permanence to it. And um, yeah, I just love the format on vinyl. Gives a little gravitas too. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something else to sell at shows, and people are asking if it's going to be on vinyl. Like, yeah, it, it's an it's an expensive thing to do, but but, I'm, but I'm it's, so nice, it's worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So tell me, um, I'm kind of curious about the gravamen. What where did that come from? What's that all about? The name or the, the name? The, <laughs> that, that's another funny story. We were just trying to think of a name, and you know, every band name in, under the sun has kind of been taken. Right. So I knew I, I knew we were going to use my Joe Castro and the something. I didn't know what it was going to be. And we were kind of going back and forth. And then I just, one day I just opened this dictionary app and it had word of the day. And the word of the day was gravamen, which is a legal term for uh, the person who complains and like, a, like a complainer. The, the, the really? Person, yeah. So I, I believe it's pronounced gravamen, but I wanted to pronounce it as gravamen because I thought that sounded cooler. Mm-hmm. But now every once in a while, people will come up to me and someone will say, you know, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's gravamen. I'm like, well, thank you. That tells me that you're a lawyer. So yeah, right. So uh, keep, keep your hands out of my pockets. <laughs> but yeah, uh, right, right. But now, nah, so it's just, it's just a funny thing. So yeah, we just went with grave men, and people misspell it all the time and say grave men or something like that. But yeah, that's it. Was just kind of made sense, like my Joe Castro and the complainers or something. You know, that was kind of fun, <laughs> kind of kind of funny. You know, that's awesome. So we have your 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 title track next. Mm-hmm. Come on, angels. Tell me about that. What was that all about? Uh, like the writing process or how that came up yeah came about um man i don't know that one was just sort of like it's kind of like about needing a night out and going out with with friends and old friends and just sort of just like a night on the town kind of kind of thing um and just sort of wanted i, I actually i wrote i wanted like a single for the album one something that's kind of poppy and has like sort of a richie valens kind of kind of feel to the song and um this is it. Yeah, this is it. So let's take a listen to Come On Angels by Mind Joe Castro and the Gravamen. 
Come on, Angels by Joe Castro and the government. So tell me a little bit about uh, bringing Rockabilly into the New Age. What, what does all that include? You say you want to uh, bring it uh, into the New Age lyrically and sonically. Tell me a little bit about that process for you. Yeah, it was just sort of like, um, you know, like a lot of that early rock and roll was before a lot of effects pedals were were built. Mm-hmm. So before that sort of revolution came out and... Um, you know, yeah, it was just a matter of like taking because a lot of those lyrical concepts in those early records, I couldn't. I wanted to write something that I could sing as a person of my age and my background that would sort of ring true or bring something a little more like like lyrical to to that stuff. You know, right? Sort of like the influence that like Bob Dylan and and these other you know musicians, Leonard Cohen and stuff had that came after that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what would have happened if Buddy Holly? Or Richie Valens had 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 access to that stuff when they were coming up. Like, how different would their music sort of have been? And so that's sort of it. Like, take the best bits of everything and combine it into something else. You know, because as much as I love, you know, fifties music and stuff, like I I love a lot of different kinds of music. Like I said, I grew up with this in the punk rock and a lot of British stuff, eighties, um, Brit pop and that kind of kind of stuff. Echo and the Bunny Men and the Smiths and and all that stuff that um, they would show in one hundred twenty minutes on MTV back in the day. Um, so it's just sort of like combining all that, all that stuff, and then hopefully coming up with something that's a little bit unique. So, and you, you're kind of doing a little bit of a campaign against a racism in this as well, right? Yeah. Well, I started in 2019. Like I started making these stickers that just said "Rockabilly Against Racism," and it happened at the time. There was just so much going on. There were a lot of these racial There's motivated a lot of attacks. On, and at yeah. the time, I remember there was a shooting in El Paso, and I. Yes. Hearing about this guy who just drove an hour out of his way to go down and just shoot Mexican or, or people of Mexican descent, like in this town in Texas. And I thought, like, this is this is horrible. Like, there's you feel so helpless. There's not so much that, that you can do. But there was a lot of this sort of racial propaganda out there. And I thought, well, the best way to combat propaganda is with more propaganda. So I thought I'm going <laughs> to put out like these rockabilly against racism stickers and in the rockabilly scene. You have a lot of people that are sort of bringing um the confederate flag around and stuff like mm-hmm. that and putting that up and i you know I, I just thought it was ridiculous so for me i wanted it to, to create something that was all inclusive um so that people could come regardless of what their ethnic background or religious background or you know sexuality whatever could come to those shows and 
and feel safe. So I thought if we start flooding the scene with a bunch of these stickers and get bands that are sort of like mind, people will start to feel comfortable, you know, because as much as we're influenced by the fifties sound and style, I don't want people to think that we're some throwback band. We're trying to bring things back to the values of the fifties. Like we put on the bottom of a lot of our flyers, we say vintage style, not vintage values. You know, like Mm. I don't want to put, bring stuff back to a time where people were oppressed or anything like that, you know? So that's sort of like, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And I, I started giving the artwork away to other people. And so now, like, especially in Europe, it's gotten big where people print their own t-shirts and give out stickers. And it's, they've, I've, with a sticker campaign, I was just saying to people like, Hey, if you want some, send me your address. I'll mail you a stack of stickers for free. And I've sent them to pretty much every continent, I think in the world at different, different times, just, and just paid for it out of pocket because I didn't want to make any money off it. And then now we have like a Facebook group. we got a couple other things going on. And we'd like to do some benefits for different organizations at some time. And uh, there's been some talk about that, but it's, it's hard because it's not really a formal organization with like any sort of board or anything like that. Right. It's sort of like, it was an idea idea. just to get, just to put that positive energy out there for people and know that like, you know, you're welcome. We don't really want any of that racist nonsense. Yeah. Shows, you know, and, and it goes to show because, you know, there are are certain groups that, that think they can claim certain genres of music uh, all to themselves, but music is for everyone. Yeah, what I liked, loved about early rock and roll and rockabilly was that it was such a mix of cultures. Like yeah. It was like a mix of like Chicago blues with country and Western with, you know, the, the New Orleans sound. sound yeah. Like all these things sort of would coalesce. Would, would coalesce. You know, like, like we were talking about Chuck Berry. Like I, I was reading this book about him recently. When he first came out, people thought he was white on the radio because he had sort of a country sound. Yeah. And to me, it's like that's what that early music was about. They broke down a lot of boundaries. And you hear about these shows where you know, the audiences would be segregated and the bands would come on and they would sort of force the line and get mixed. And, you know, like it was, it was a rebellious music for that, for its time. And I think anyone that wants to sort of change history and say that it wasn't, and that it was just something else and put some kind of like white power stamp on it. It's just, we don't really want to go for that, you know? No. Um, and and it's, it's not what it's about music. And I can't stress this enough. Music is music and yeah. it's for everybody. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, you know, it also took some influence from in the 1970s there was a, a movement called Rock Against Racism in, in the really? UK. And there's a good documentary about it and The Clash and Joe Strummer and stuff were involved in that and it was sort of a, a fighting against the National Front when they were making a lot of moves in like the late 70s. And so um I just sort of took it and said, "Well, we'll do rockabilly against racism and and put it out." So it's just sort of like just to let people know when they come to our shows like everybody's welcome as long as as long as you're cool you know as long as you're cool, yeah, as right, as you're right. cool we don't want to trouble as long like, as you're cool and cordial right? yeah yeah so you uh are starting to write again you have a new song that, that just yep. came out tell me a little bit about that yeah it's called uh embers in the ash it's a little little different something different for us a little more like almost folk sounding we had someone we know come in and play accordion on the song as well and um accordion yeah there's an accordion on it that's sick um yeah i always wanted to have a song with accordion so is this sort of the perfect one to do it, you know, because I love like a lot of Tom Waits and the Pogues, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So now we're just sort of figuring out with our next record, we're working on a bunch of songs and I think we're going to sort of try to push the sound a little bit and figure out what to do next, and just grow as a, as a band. So, yeah, tell me a little bit. Uh, we have the music video lined up here. So tell me a little bit about uh, that process because there was a cool story behind that. Yeah, yeah. So the music video, I had this idea that I wanted to film it in bad weather. And so we we recorded the song 
on the winter solstice of last year, December 21st, which is also our guitarist Mike Stingle's birthday, which is cool. But um, I was just waiting for a big snowstorm because there's a lot of weather imagery in the lyrics and stuff. So I thought, well, I want to film it in slow-mo, like when it's snowing and all this stuff. And then we went through the whole winter without any yeah, bad right. weather. Yeah, what was all that about? No bad weather at all, nothing. And then the song was released, and it was like, I don't know, we, we we're running out of time. And so there were all these bad storms in the south, and I heard they were moving up. And so this one Saturday morning, I just looked at the weather, and I was like, I, I think there's, there's a chance of severe thunderstorms today. And I called up a buddy of mine named Brandon, who does some filming, and I said, do you want to meet in Maniunk? And we're going to film this video, and this is what we're going to do. And he showed up, and we were out there for like half an hour, and we shot five takes in 15 minutes, and it went from being sort of sunny to these severe thunderstorms. We are completely drenched and and washed away it was funny we headed out right when we got to the last take we ran over to this restaurant this bar and we walked in and everyone just looked completely horrified we walked in just dripping we sat down they had to mop up around us twice that's came funny out and mop, you know i had like puddles in my shoe like i went to the bathroom and just like dumped them out and like the, the toilet you know and they came back and tried to we were just like we looked like aliens man it was great that's we got awesome. so wet it was and you can see it in the video but it's worth it like yeah, it kind of came out cool. That makes a great product, and and if you're a musician who's dedicated to their craft, that's what it takes. Yeah, it was just sort of like, well, all right, like you see lightning in the. It was just, it was crazy. Unfortunately, I wanted to include the rest of the band in the video. Originally, was the plan, but it 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 didn't work out. It's kind of hard logistically to make that work with four people when you're waiting on the weather. Like there was right. no guarantee at any time it was going to happen. So we just, it was full guerrilla style. So we're gonna take a listen to or take a watch actually to that to that video. Let's awesome. see it. There's only one way of knowing if it's raining or if it's snowing. You gotta get wet sometimes to learn which way the wind's been blowing. But if home's too far to climb, you can come dry out any time. We will sit by the firelight, count the embers in the ash tonight. It's been a tough year to call, fate took a fair piece of us all. I watched you dive under the waves and tread water in the squall. But that struggle made you strong as you survived another storm. In the darkness you show bright Like these embers in the ash tonight Well, embers in the ash still going strong Won't quit the fight for anyone Even the tiniest spark can start a blaze Tonight. 
there's only one way of knowing if it's raining or if it's snowing you gotta get wet sometimes to learn which way the wind's been blowing And that was Mighty Joe Castro and the Gravel Man. That was their brand new single, Embers in the Ash. Ash. Yep. Embers in the Ash. Out now. Out on now. All streaming platform. <laughs> so where can where can people find you on like online or anywhere? Uh, you can go to my website, which is mightyjoecastro.com. You can also go to thegravamen.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Obviously, we're on all the streaming platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, all that stuff under Mighty Joe Castro and the Gravelmen. You go to our, my web store as well on MightyJoeCastro.com. We have vinyl for sale, T-shirts, all that kind of stuff. Athletes, go support them and and their uh, things. What what do you think is next for for you guys as, as a band? Uh, uh, is there more writing to be done? Is there what, what's what's up? Yeah, we've been in the studio again. Um, we're just gonna keep putting out like little singles for the next few months and then eventually put out a, a full complete album but we've got another next song is going to come out probably in maybe late probably early june at this point it's called uh take the blame and um that's coming out and we got a bunch of shows we're gonna be playing this summer and uh yeah just really i want to find someone to help put out the record like i want to just keep putting these singles out and really hopefully find someone to help at least distribute the vinyl and um that's the one thing holding us back right now is we got these vinyl records and i want to find a way to get them into the record stores the so, circuits, yeah. so yeah so we want to find a record label to partner with for distribution of the vinyl and uh stuff like that and um yeah i got to finish writing the songs the rest of the songs for the record but we've got about four recorded now we're gonna finish doing that and get back in and try to race you know earn some money to just keep going and so is this your full-time job at this point or uh i do art graphic design and music and so it's sort of like combination of those things but the, my graphic design work pretty much pays the pays the bills right now between that and art stuff that i do i'll say it, so, it yeah. looks great on, oh, on thank you stickers. yeah thank you very much absolutely so um so do you, you do uh clientele for graphic design too yeah you want to plug yeah. that as well yeah uh yeah um i do everything from like i do logos for companies i've done you know video work t-shirts posters um all, all kinds of stuff it's like pretty wide range but if you go to mightyjoecastro.com um you get my design portfolios up there as well be happy to help you out with any of your advertising or graphic design needs sure so <laughs> we're gonna go into a time of questions i'd like to ask all my guests and, and the first one is what is one of the worst or funniest things that's ever happened to you on stage i remember one and this was an early show with my band nero we were playing at this Trabant Student Center in Newark, Delaware, and we thought it'd be cool to bring a smoke machine. And I remember uh, just playing that thing. We turned it on. The guy was running, which is flooding the place with smoke. And we were like five songs in, and it just put off the smoke alarms. Of course, and right. and everyone had to go run out and stuff like that. And the show ended. Oh my goodness! So that was great because actually it was a horrible show. We were playing so bad. So I was so thankful that the show, <laughs> the show kind of got pulled. It made like it made it much more memorable. Mm. You know, we sort of pulled. We sort of called the cops in ourselves. <laughs> that's awesome so um this is you know the la latest project and a string of projects for you is yeah. there anything you want to do in the future is there is there a, another project that you would really want to be a part of or what i think right now like this is it like just keep going with this and just enjoy writing 
writing songs and just doing that. I mean, there's a few, I have a, another little side project, a little fun little band called the, the failing hearts. So they get together with two friends of mine named, uh, That's a good band. Jay cattle and a friend named Steve. And it's really just like an improvisational, like we'll get together in a day and be like, we're just going to write a song and record it today. And we sort of do that. We just did a, a song for this film that's coming out called the boog. A guy in Delaware named Brian Wilde is directing. We did a film soundtrack song for that. I'm actually going to have a small part in the movie, like just a cameo as a reporter. I got to go film that this weekend. So I've been doing a little bit of acting stuff here and there as well. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a little more of that just for fun. And um, songs for films, stuff like that. So, But other than that, just keep keep going with art and with, with the stuff with the Gravman and just pushing forward. I mean, I think my joke, Cash and the Gravman, will be my last band. You know, it's just like, it, it just... This seems to be working, so keep going with it. So sweet. So you you also mentioned that you have a family, a daughter. How old is she now? Yeah, I have two kids. Um, they'll be thirteen and ten this year. What do they think about your music? So they love it. You know, they sort of grew up around it and everything. Right. And so, uh, they're both very they're good kids. They're both very creative. They are both musically inclined and both artistically inclined. And you know, one plays saxophone, one plays cello. Um, the other one's been in a bunch of. They've both been in plays and stuff like that. And they just are very like. They're super cool kids. Like the other day, they, they they just decided they made these rope ladders out of rope and some sticks, and they built these hammocks out of an old blankets, and they spent the night out in the yard, you know? That's cool. Ma- made their own shelter, and they were like, we're going to sleep outside tonight. I was like, go for it. Sleep in the trees. So <laughs> yeah, it was right, right. so cool, you know, the kids can still get out there and do that and stuff. And it was fun. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome, man. They're Everything awesome. Everything about including them on a record or something? Yeah, at some point, yeah. And, and they've got, like, some songs they'll write, and we'll record them at home. And we did, like, a, a short film together that they wrote. And during the pandemic, actually, we we pulled them out of school, and we just homeschooled them for a year. Mm. Part of the things we did, a project was that, was they had to write a script for their own movie, and we shot it and filmed it and did a stop animation with like, um, Lego people and everything. It, it's called um, it's called Joyride. It's pretty cool. Uh friend of ours a band called three chord money we used one of their songs in it um, yeah which was awesome that they let us use that it's like they're just fun they learned about like making sound effects learned about editing learned That's about so cool you know all these things like how to act and film and so it was like i'd love to do something like that with them again but uh but yeah at some point like as their skills get better i'm sure like we'll record them on use them on a track like or some saxophone on there or something you know, it'd be awesome that'd be cool yeah so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have made or you've seen others in in the music world make and how can we curb that for the future generations man that's a good one thing i try to tell like other musicians is that don't cut corners when it comes to like going in the studio mm. because i mean like we spent a lot of money on recording our records and people are always like well we don't want to spend that much money or we're just going to do it it's okay it sounds good enough but meanwhile, they're spending all this money, all this other gear that they have at, at, at home. But at the end of the day, like when your band's gone, the thing that's going to get remembered it will have any lasting effect is the music. So I think make sure that what you're recording just sounds good, you know, because that's really that's the that's the testament. That's the rock that everything else is going to get get built off of. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I think that that's just that's important. Um, don't underestimate the you know, what the other people that you're working with are bringing to the table, make sure that you treat them well and that you build a good relationship. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. There's so many friggin' mistakes. <laughs> um, you know, watch the ego, uh, you know, just treat, treat people with just be cool and treat people with respect, man. And just be honest, you know, 
Um, don't be passive aggressive. I see that a lot with people. It's like, you know, just be upfront with people. Oh, absolutely. You have oh to. Gosh. I mean, absolutely be upfront with people because it, it's kind of ridiculous. That, uh, you just got to be upfront with people, honest with people. Like, it, we're musicians. We, you know, we, we know when someone's blowing smoke because yeah. it's, it's all been done to us before. Just, yeah. just be honest with yeah. each other. Just be honest, man. Have a good time. Yeah, you know? have, a good time. have a good time. Yeah. And uh, when we say be honest, don't be mean, but you know, right, right. If you don't yeah, like yeah. something, say say you don't like something. If, yeah, yeah. And just be and have thick skin too. I think that's good too. I know yeah. a lot of people that are too afraid to put their music out because they're worried about what people will will think or it's not good enough. And you just you know you just got to go with it and just keep creating and keep moving forward. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter who who likes doesn't like it. It matters if you like it. Right. No one's gonna love everything that you exactly that you do. Um, as long they, as you're proud of it, and they shouldn't. Yeah, and just. Don't be afraid to take chances and just keep keep trying to find ways to keep it interesting for yourself and just you know keep moving forward. It gets harder as you get older because you don't want to repeat yourself too much and you've done some of that stuff already. It's like the newness of it is mm-hmm. not there. The excitement of it wanes a little bit, but keep going. Yeah. Well, with all that said, this is Mighty Joe Casher. You can find him on all your websites. Yeah, MightyJoeCasher.com, TheGravelMen.com. And my name is Corey Rosen. This has been a story podcast. We have some really great stuff coming up. I want to share with you. First off, we have our singer songwriter uh, studio where we are bringing in three or four other artists within the area. And the challenge is to create a song within an hour. Mm. And so it's going to be going to be like a live documentary of that process. Uh, And I'm really excited. The first one of those is starting in May. And I would love to have you be a part of it, especially if you want to. Oof, more. man yeah the idea of doing a song in an hour is 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 tricky it's tricky but as long as i have to write the words i can do it it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the words are just but that's yeah. fine we're gonna be where the the goal is to get you know at least one songwriter and then a few instrumentalists together and you know write something out or something I've been, i'm really excited to do is to like mash genres mm. that's something i'm really excited to do Bring, bringing together a you know a metal vocalist with the country yeah. is country sound or yeah or uh, you know a, a jazz singer into into a, a hip-hop context that'd be awesome that would be really great yeah so that's that's some of the stuff i want to uh we're, we're looking at and this first one is going to be may 1st so i'm really excited for that otherwise this thursday we have matt wheeler who is a uh, one of the one of the faculty staff here he does music as well and a really great guy i'm really excited to talk to him about all of his music that's coming out and then we don't have anything until that May 1st. And then uh, next Tuesday, I'm really excited to announce that we have Chris Strayer, who mm-hmm. owns Stray, uh, who is a, a great staging uh, company for, based in Lidditz here. And I, I'm he's actually the person who set up all of this stuff, too. Awesome. So I'm really excited to have him on and talk about how he started his career and everything that revolves around Stray. Uh, otherwise, we have our singer... Our, our single reviews and our album reviews starting to ramp up again. Uh, if you don't know what those are, those are uh, a show where we, where musicians can submit their albums or submit their singles. And we bring in another artist from the area and we just go over them, give our feedback on them, what we like, what we don't like, things that, that, that could do some tweaking or whatever. Uh, so it's a great chance for new artists to not only get their music out, but also get some feedback from other musicians in the area and i'm really excited to start those again 
With all that said, my name is Corey Rosen. This is the Story Podcast. You can find out all of that information and more at CoreyRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Cheers.